Hallelujah. Good, good morning. Good morning. Hail, hail, Lion of Judah. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your glory is in this place. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're still seated in the heavens. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're roaring over every situation in this place today. Lord, I thank you that the Lion of the tribe of Judah is visiting us and walking with us in this place today. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for your glory, for your Shekinah glory, God, that you're walking every aisle of this place, God, that you're touching every heart today, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're moving mightily already in this place today and you're just getting started. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for deliverance today. I thank you for breakthrough in this house today. I thank you for salvation in this house today. Lord, I thank you for the chains of bondage being broken in this house today, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, for signs and wonders and miracles breaking out in this house today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to service. Welcome to service. Happy Father's Day. I know this is about the fourth time y'all have heard it, but happy Father's Day. We'll make it five. Welcome, welcome. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I, I have been told recently that uh, there's two things that I can't do when I, when I talk. Um, number one is stand still. Um, and number two is be short. But, uh, but I promise y'all, I will not keep you a minute past three o'clock. Like, I promise. <laughs> I kid, I kid. So, uh, good morning, welcome. Thank y'all so much. Uh, we are um, here today. Pastors are out of town. Uh, here, relaxing, enjoying uh, some time of fellowship with their family, celebrating all sorts of birthdays and all things here and being refreshed. Uh, they're hearing from the Lord in a mighty way while they're out. And uh, I'm excited for when they get back because I, I believe, I, I believe that things are going to explode. Amen. Amen. So they send their thoughts and, and prayers and I miss you all here today. Um, so wanted to uh, let you all know about that and uh, thank you for the opportunity to allow me to come this morning and uh, minister today. It's awesome. It's awesome. So today we're going to jump into uh, we're going to jump into talking about the love of the father today. We're jumping in and talking about the love of the father. Now, if you're not a father, don't tune me out today. Right? Don't don't tune me out today. This is uh, applicable to everybody. Uh, amen. This is this is uh, able to be uh, caught by everyone here today. So we're going to start out and we're going to jump over to 1 John. 1 John, that's all the way in the back. Hey, don't blink or you'll miss it. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, 1 John uh, 3, 1. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we shall be called the children of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. <laughs> That's a mouthful. 
Right, so I want to. I, I was reading this. I'm like, okay, man, that God, that's awesome. That's super cool, right? What kind of love is this? What kind of love? And and that word see, uh, in the beginning of this uh, verse here, that word see is also could be uh, translated or uh, brought forth as behold. Right. So not only to see, but behold. So to see with your eyes means to see with your eyes, to uh, perceive and to know, and then to become acquainted with by experience. To be acquainted with by experience. And so there's a difference in knowing that somebody loves you, right? There's a difference in in when you know that, that you're loved and when you get to experience someone's love for you, right? There's a difference in, in the knowledge and the experience of their love. So my kids, so my kids know that I love them, right? Uh, both of my kids, they know that I love them with all their heart and, you know, but there's a difference when they're in class or when they're doing their thing or, you know, whatever the case is, there's a difference in when they're up there and they know, okay, yep, yeah, dad loves me. Dad loves me. That could give them the confidence, right? That gives them confidence. It gives them a surety. That gives them all the things. But there's a difference when dad's able to go up to kids and give them a hug, right? There's a difference when, when I can show and experience. They can experience the love of the father. When I can support them. When I can encourage them. When I can give them a pat on the back. When I can give them a high five, right? When I can just spend some time with them. When I can love on them. When, when I can just be present with them. When I can cheer them on or defend them or even correct them, right? When, I'm, when we're laughing together and crying together, there's a difference in the knowledge and being able to experience. Those things are not love. Those things are not love, but rather they're the symptoms or the expression of the love that's already here, right? They're the expression of the things that's already here. Why do I support my kids? Because I love them. Why do I hug and hold my kids? Because I love them. Why do we defend our children and stand up for them and protect them and watch over them and guide them and nurture them and correct them and bring all of those things to them, right? Because of the love that's already in, the the love that's already in our heart for them. Our expression of love is just an outward overflow of what's already being poured in. Amen? It's not word overflow of what's already being, uh, what's already inside. So, and then, so then he goes on to say, what kind? So see, we're going to experience, we're going to, we're going to view it with our eyes. And not only are we going to be able to view and see the love of the father, not only are we going to be able to see with our eyes, the love of the father and, and the outward expressions, right? Um, but we're going to be able to experience them. And then what kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? What manner of love is this? That, that, that statement is basically to mention the quality of the love, right? The quality of the love. And he's, he's basically saying from what country, from what nation, from what tribe is this love coming from? Which, which I found interesting. So we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. But John, one of the 12, right? We know who John is. Not John the Baptist, John. One of the twelve was taught by Jesus. He lived with Jesus. 
He experienced Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. If y'all were here for the, for the Next Steps class, we just got done talking about discipleship and the importance of discipleship. And he was discipled by Jesus himself, right? He, was, uh, he ate with him. He lived with him. He, he uh, dined with him. He was taught by him. He was discipled by Jesus, a man that had experienced the ministry of Jesus. And when he writes this, he's a little bit older. He's a little bit up there in, in age here towards the end of his life. And I can just imagine what, hey, John, of all the things, of all the things, what do you, what do you want to say? What, what's a highlight of your life? What's a highlight of the ministry? And he's able to look back on life and say, see, Behold, what kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? What I experienced didn't come from a normal parenting situation. It didn't come from my friends. It didn't come from my family members. It didn't come from my peers. It didn't come from a basic uh, earthly realm, right? There's something different about this love. There's something different that touches just a little bit deeper, a whole lot deeper about this love. This isn't just a surface level love, right? What kind of love is this? It blew, it blew his mind. It blew, it blew my mind. What kind of love? Let's behold. Let's experience. What kind of love is this that we should be called the children of God? That we should be called his children. So Christ's love should both amaze us into a place of awe. Amen. It should amaze us into a place of awe and a place of wonder. And it should also instruct us right? His love should bring us to a place of awe and wonder, a place of humbleness, a place of the humility, a place of all that, but it, it should also uh, instruct us. See, the see was the experiencing, and the behold is, uh, is, is a command. We, we, are, we are to see and experience the love of the Father. So when was the last time when was the last time that we were so caught up in the love of the Father that we were brought to awe? When was the last time that we were so caught up in the love of heaven, experiencing the love and the outpouring of heaven, experiencing the touch from the Father that it amazed us, that we were in a place of humbleness, that we started weeping before the throne and started weeping before the altar and saying, whoa. God, what kind of love is this that I can be called your child? What kind of love is this that I'm feeling right now? Amen. There's no uh, doubt in my mind, and there wasn't a doubt in his mind right here, right, that we should be called the children of God, that he is a child of God. There's no doubt in my mind that I am a child of God. And there's going to be testing that comes in life, right? There's going to be those times and, and there's going to be those trials. There's going to be those things where you got to be sure that you're sure that you're sure that you know that you know that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am a child of God, right? Where is your, where's your roots? Where's our roots? Where's our roots? Are we dug deep? Are we dug deep into good soil? Are we planted by streams of living water? Are we... Are we, are we allowing the Lord to restore our soul? Are we allowing those things to happen? Are we allowing ourselves to experience the love of God? Are we, are we knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt whose we are? 
I want to ask you today, do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God? Yes, amen. There is nothing that can be said or thrown at me in this life. There's nothing that can be said to me to make me question my salvation. Amen. There's nothing that can be thrown at me. There's no price tag that somebody could pay me to renounce my faith. There's nothing that somebody could come. There's no trial big enough that's going to shake my knowledge of the fact that I am a child of God. Why? Because I've tasted and I've seen. I've experienced the love of the Father. I've experienced the love of the throne. I've experienced the salvation. I've experienced when I was broke, busted, and disgusted, and God came in and said, hey, guess what? I have a plan for your life. It's time to get out of the miry clay. It's time to get out of the muck. It's time to get out of the jail. It's time to get out of the prison. It's time to get out of the world. And he called me by my name. Because he called me, there is absolutely nothing that anyone can say that will make me doubt that I am a child of God. Not a thing in the world. Not a thing in the world. Now, I love it that, you know, there's a, there's a saying that a man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. So what if they call you foolish? So what? We were made a peculiar people anyway. It's okay. Be bold. Be confident in being peculiar. I mean, who comes to church in Hawaiian shirts, right? We go- peculiar people. <laughs> Amen. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we're going to go over some of the ways that the Father loves us today. We're going to go over some of the ways that the Father loves us today. And I I believe that as Christians, right, as followers of Christ, as men, as fathers, I'm speaking specifically to to y'all right at this second in time, um, but our life should parallel the Bible. All of it. All of it, right? This isn't Burger King. We, We don't have it our way, right? We don't get to go through and pick and choose. The word of God is not a buffet for dad just because, well, that's hard and I'm not sure that I necessarily like that part and I don't really know if I necessarily agree. I've, man, I've heard it all, right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I can do that and I'm not qualified to do this. And so we talk ourselves sometimes into excuses or reasons on why we don't make our flesh line up with the word of God. You're called to more. You're called to more. You're called to greater. You're called to have a life that overflows the word of God, that overflows the glory of God, that overflows the love of God, right? And not just in church. We're not just putting our church face on. We're not just putting our church mask on. We're not just looking good and doing the dance and, you know, thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah, and I'm blessed, brother. You know, all that's great. Yes, you are blessed and you're highly favored of the Lord. Absolutely you are. And that's great. And testify about it, right? But how are we living when the doors are closed? How are we living at home? Are my kids going to say when they look back on life, man, dad was a great Christian while he was at church, but he lived like the devil at the house. Sorry, I'm not trying to step on everyone's toes this morning. Just a few. 
Bless the Lord. It's awesome, right? But we're called to higher. We're called to greater. We're called to a life that overflows Jesus and the glory of God. Amen? Psalm 23. We're going to jump over to uh, Psalm 23. Uh, verse one, and this, this is, this is part of the way that, and there's so many ways, I, I, there's so many ways, so many things that I could point out about obviously the way that the Lord loves us, right? And the way that he demonstrates his love towards us. I mean, I, we could go on for eternity and eternity and eternity, right? And never scratch the surface of how good he is and how great he is and how merciful he is and how loving he is and the way that he expresses those things to us, right? But I'm just trying to highlight a few this morning, just a few. Number one is, is he shepherds us. He shepherds us. He's our shepherd. He's our leader. Right? He's our shepherd and our leader. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That should give somebody some confidence this morning. Amen? That should give somebody some assurity this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want for what? For anything. I shall not want for anything. Why? Because I'm assured that God, Jesus, the creator of everything, the, the lover of my soul is my shepherd. He's my defender. He's my shepherd. He's my corrector. He's my leader, right? He's the one who's there with me in the, in the middle of the field. He's the one that's there with me in the middle of the valley. He's the one that's there with me on the mountaintop. He's the one that is with me no matter where I go. And, and why should I fear when I know that my shepherd is by my my side? Why am I uncomfortable when I know that my shepherd is by my side? Why am I concerned about if my needs are going to be met when my shepherd is by my side? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Period. Boop. Right? Period. I think that's the sound a period makes. Boop. We'll go with it today. I shall not want, but I shall not want physically. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I shall not want. That is a blanket statement. If you know that the Lord is your shepherd, it's all good. He's got it, right? He's got it. Are we going to go through trials? Yes. Are we going to be on the mountaintop? Yes. Are we going to have to walk through the valley? Absolutely. Are we going to walk through some fields that might be lush and green? Yeah. Are, are we going to be in a time where there's no rain and we look out and we're like, man, what was green is looking kind of brown right now? Yep. Right? We're going we're gonna to have a multitude of different scenarios, but God. But God. See, he had a revelation in this moment when he was writing this. And I believe that at this moment, not as a whole, but in this particular moment, that he wasn't referring to the flock as a whole, right? He had a revelation in this moment that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He had a revelation that went from God to my God. From shepherd of the church, from shepherd of the flock to my shepherd, right? From, from, being, from being father to my father, right? He had that revelation and that switch, and because of that, I shall not want. If he is a shepherd, 
to no one else. And I, I love this. If y'all haven't read or gotten the treasury of David, it's a big old book. It's like, it's a big old book. It's one of them thick ones. It's a big but, man, I go back to it time and time and time and time again. That was my favorite class that I ever took. That was my favorite Bible class was the study on Psalms. And we used that book. Um, awesome, awesome resource. So uh, the Treasury of David, you also, you also read that. Down. That's a great book. Um, but the, the author that pointed out that, that the revelation came, and if he, in that moment, if he be a shepherd to nobody else, he's a shepherd to me. If, if he be a shepherd to no one else, he's my shepherd. If, he, if he's a leader to no one else, he's my leader, right? And so all of a sudden, he went from big, huge, overshadowing picture to a personal revelation of who Jesus Christ is to him, right? As a shepherd, as a father, right? And so I pray that I can look back on life. I pray that my kids can look back on life. I pray that your kids and generations and generations can look back on life and say, because of the fact that I was able to see, because of the fact that I was able to behold the love of the Father, that I was able to experience not only uh, my daddy's love, but my heavenly father's love. And the reason I followed, I follow my dad because he followed Jesus. I follow my dad because he followed, and I'm able to experience the love of Jesus. So I know that if he's God to no one else, he's my God. I know that if my dad, my earthly father, right, Nick and Noah, I pray that they look back and say, you know what? If he wasn't dad to no one else, if he didn't do anything else, he was my dad. He was my dad, and he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. He loved to drink of the Holy Ghost. He loved to pray. He loved to laugh. Sometimes I can even laugh at inappropriate times, so if I've ever done that, I apologize. <laughs> oh, and everybody said, Amen. You know, it's the joy of the Lord, you know, and talking about shepherding. So there was one point where, where we were sitting at the dinner table and um, we were going through a really difficult season, a really difficult season. And we were all sitting around the dinner table and we're talking and we're enjoying one another's coming. We're enjoying the food. It was OK. I mean, you know, I cooked it. So it was, it was OK. It's all right. And, uh, you know, so we're all just sitting around and, and I start laughing Right, and I'm still cracking jokes and still being jovial and all that type of deal. And uh, Nick actually looks over at me and says, Dad, I got a question for you. And I was like, uh-oh. And y'all know, like, if Nick or Noah, either one ever looks at you, is like, hey, I got a question for you. Right, put the seatbelt on and buckle up because, like, their questions are, are, I mean, they're way beyond, way beyond their age, right? Way beyond uh, what they should ask, but they're called, right? But he looked at me, he goes, dad, how are you always so happy? I said, what, what do you mean? How am I always so happy? He goes, dad, we're going through the valley. 
We're going through this storm. We're going through this hard time. And you're still laughing. And you're still being jovial. You're still joking. And you're still, you're still happy. Why does it seem like nothing bothers you? And he like started to get a little frustrated, right? He's like, everything bothers me. Why, why, do I, why does nothing bother you? And I was able to shepherd at that point and say, it's not that it doesn't bother me. It's the fact that I've experienced the love of the Father. I've experienced the love of my shepherd. I'm not worried about it. It's all good. Yes, hard times come, right? But I can have joy even through it all. Amen? I have joy even through it all. Matthew 18, 12. We're going to hop around a little bit today. Matthew uh, 18, 12 <clears throat> says, what do you think? What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the last one that went astray? What do you think? What do you think? I love this man. Jesus talking in parables and he's like asking questions and he already knows the answer to them and it's awesome. It's kind of like coaching. Y'all ever been through a coaching session, a life coaching session, right? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. Uh, we had got some great life coaches uh, here and uh, pastoral counselors here. It's awesome. Uh, but they, they ask you questions and, and they already know the answer to them. But it's the, about the journey of, of having the revelation for you to get there, Right. Um, so, you know, what, what good is it, right? If Jesus would have said, Hey, this is the answer plain and simple. Where's the revelation in that, right? Where's the revelation in that, right? But he says, what do you think? So how many in here have multiple kids, right? Multiple, multiple kids, more than one. <laughs> We have some in the house. I'm not going to tell you who. We have some in the house that are still trying to count on all their fingers here. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Um, so we have, so, so multiple kids. So how many of you who have multiple kids, if, if you had uh, one or two of your kids uh, doing well, you had one or two of your kids who were behaving, you have one or two of your kids who were just awesome, right? It's like manna from heaven. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the easy ones. <laughs> and then you have the one. But, but would you allow the one, the one of your kids, if they were lost, even the black sheep of the family, right? It, it, even the one that's a little bit more lively, um, would you, if they got lost, if they were out wandering somewhere, if they had been uh, taken or you didn't know where they were, would you just leave them go? No. No, the answer is no. No. <laughs> we have some confused looks here like, ah. right? No, you wouldn't. Of course not. Right? Of course not. No, you wouldn't. You would say, now, I also don't suggest leaving the other, uh, unless they're old enough to, I wouldn't suggest leaving the other to go on a, you know, search and, and a treasure hunt for the, for the wanderer. 
Um, you know, but no, you'd pack up the car and say, hey, let's go. We got to go. Your brother, your sister is missing. They're out wandering. There's something wrong with them, right? There's something that's happening in their life. Absolutely. We, we have to go. And, and even if they're physically okay, but maybe they're making some spiritually iffy decisions, right? You're saying, we got to find them. We got to search. We got to pray. We got to press in. We got to press into the throne room of God. We have to go on a spiritual hunt here because my one is missing. My son is astray. My daughter is astray. They're wandering around, right? And you're going to leave and you're going to go and try to reel them back in. When I first heard this parable, I thought it was a little outrageous. What, what do you mean? The shepherd would leave 99 of his sheep? Well, what happens to the 99? What happens to the flock? So you're going you're gonna to leave to go rescue the one? And it seems absolutely ludicrous until the one is you. It seems absolutely crazy until that one is you. And, and the great news is, is I, I got a really cool story for you, is every single one of us has been the one. Every single one of us has been the one that's been astray. Every single one of us has been the one that's been the backslidden. Every single one of us has been the one that was steeped in sin and, and had, the, had the chains on and, and had the bondage, right? Every single one. But God, the shepherd, our father, left the 99 to come and rescue you, to come and rescue me, to redeem my soul, to have the experience, allow us to have the experience of the love of the father. And thank God that he quickened us. Thank God that he still quickens us today. Amen. Thank God that he gives us rest and confidence, that he quenches the thirst of our spirit, that he's there with us and holding us by our hand and asking us questions like, hey, what do you think? What do you think? I thank the Lord that he daily restores my soul. Amen. So the Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd, and us as fathers are supposed to be, are called to be, the shepherd, the leader of our home. The shepherd and the leader of our little flock. Whether it's one, or whether it's ten, or whether it's fifteen, or whether it's three, or whatever. But we are called to be the leader and the shepherd of our home. We're going to talk about everyone's favorite subject right now. Um, that, that the father shows love through correction. <laughs> Come on, everyone got excited. They're like, woo, correction. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 12, we're going to flip over to Hebrews. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 6 through 7 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, chastises every son whom he receives. Every son whom he receives. It is for disciplining that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
So if we go back to the first scripture that we read, oh, what love, what kind of love the father has given to us that we shall be called the children of God. If you're a child of God, you can't be a child with all the blessing and not have the discipline with it, right? You, can't, you cannot be a child of God and not have the discipline or the correction that comes with it. So uh, who in here, <laughs> who, who, who in here has never, never, yeah, you in church, Chotch, y'all and ch- yeah. How many in here have never had to discipline their child? Those <laughs> That's a truthful statement. Who in here has never had to discipline their child? Okay? Who in here has never had to be disciplined? I'm looking. I'm looking. Hey, we're going to have some altar time later. I'll, I, we can. <laughs> Y'all don't. <laughs> we've all had to be disciplined, right? And we've all had to discipline those with kids or, you know, in any situation as a pastor, as a shepherd, uh, as a father, as a uh, physical or spiritual or father figure. We've all had to have some sort of discipline. We've all had to administer some sort of discipline in some form or fashion, right? So I I used to be, I know this is really hard to believe, but I used to be an ornery kid. I used to be an ornery kid, you know, and, and, uh, and I grew up in a time where, you know, uh, where, where, you know, parents weren't afraid to, to, to give us a whooping, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't afraid of that. And they, you know, they, they showed, they showed love through tough, tough love through discipline. Right. And I swear, man, there were some mornings where I woke up and I was feeling so ornery that I was just like, you know what? I'm going to come out of my bedroom like this. And I'm just going to be like, okay, let's get it over with. Right. <laughs> I, just, I just walk out of my bedroom backwards. Cause I'm like, we, we just going, we just going to get it over with. Right. Um, cause I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I can be a little ornery sometimes. I still can be. If y'all don't know me, I still can be. You, you, if, if you haven't found out, you will. It's okay. Um, so, but the awesome thing is, is the fact that, so with, in my youth, I despised discipline. It didn't feel good. It wasn't supposed to feel good, right? But it didn't feel good. But as I've grown up and as I've learned and as I've matured, And uh, as I've done life just a little bit more, just a little bit longer, I realize not to despise the discipline. Don't run away from the discipline. Don't despise it. Don't run away. Why? Because the purpose of it is not to beat you up. The purpose of it, when I discipline my kids, is not to beat them up. It's not to tell them how bad they are or how horrible of a decision that they've made or, or you know, how, how crazy things are or whatever, right? It's not about that at all. It's about safety. It's about love. It's about boundaries, right? It's about all of those things, about growth. Believe it or not, you grow through discipline. 
we're disciplined for safety and for growth. So I, I've been doing a lot of uh, yard work recently, and y'all, the all that do yard work, um, know that there's a certain point in the year where you have to prune the branches, right? You have to prune the trees. You have to prune the bushes. You have to cut them back just a little bit. You have to start over. Sometimes you have to cut them all the way down to the ground again, right? I thank the Lord that sometimes I've been cut all the way down to the ground again. Why? Because when I grow back, I grow back stronger, I grow back more full, I grow back producing fruit that I was called to produce, right? Discipline and pruning is for growth. Um, my, my kids every once in a while will say, Dad, why are you so, why are you so, like, rigid sometimes? Why are you so hard? And I'm like... It could, it, could, it, could, it could be worse, right? <laughs> it could be much worse. I love you, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but and, and I answered them back, and one time I just, I'd had the question over and 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 over again. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Why can't we say this? Why can't, Right? And all those questions, all those questions will arise and all those questions will come. And finally, there was one point where I just got a little uh, ornery <laughs> and I got, I got a little, I got a little bold and I said, because it's my job to be your dad, not your friend. Because it's my job to be your dad, not your friend. It's my job to be your father, not your friend. We can be friends when we're 18. It's okay. And y'all know, I have a great relationship with my kids, man. I love them. We have a ton of fun. You know, we have a ton of fun. When it comes down to it, though, my job is to be their dad. My job is to be their shepherd. My job is to lead them and to guide them in the truth of the scripture. My job is to train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. Because I want my kids, when they're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, to still be sitting in a pew and serving God and worshiping with all of their heart and still have the zeal of the house of the Lord consuming them and still be wanting to get into the house of the Lord every time the doors are open. And look back and say, you know what? The discipline was good. The discipline was good. The correction was good. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. We don't like to discipline. It's not a favorite thing, right? It's not, a, it's not on the top of the, hey, hey, what are your great plans for this weekend? Well, I'm going to go discipline, right? <laughs> Like, we're not carrying our blown-up balloons and our cotton candy, you know, talking about how, how fun it's going to be to do that, right? But, again, discipline is about safety and bearing fruit. Shepherds discipline the sheep. If y'all didn't know that, right? Shepherds discipline the sheep. That's why they have the rod and the staff. So they can hook them around the neck and pull them back in when they start to wander away, Right? <laughs> They can hook them around the neck and say, no, I don't have, 
I, I really don't have the desire to leave the 99 to go chasing after you. Get back here, right? And that's the boundaries, right? It's the, it's the discipline of the shepherd, but there's comfort in discipline because uh, the last time that I read that portion of scripture, it said, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Now, now you might not like it and your kids might not like it at the moment in time, right? But they're going to find comfort in discipline. They're going to find comfort in that. And, you know, if, if, uh, if there's uh, any sort of pastoral discipline that needs to happen, y'all don't run. Don't run. Hopefully y'all never have a, a time. I know that everyone in here is awesome. Y'all are great. You are, you are awesome churchgoers and will never, ever have to have a meeting with the pastor ever or one of our pastoral members or whatever, like y'all are awesome, right? But if that time should ever come, I'm just saying if, right? Or if you know somebody, right? I know, I know a guy. Um, well, if the guy that you know ever has to have that, right? I would just encourage that person to not run from the discipline. Don't run. Don't run. Push into it, right? There's safety in the fire. There's safety and comfort in the fire, Pastors and fathers are shepherds. Don't despise the discipline or correction. Amen. Fulfilled promise. I got I to gotta get through these notes. Praise the Lord. All right. Fulfilled promise. So have y'all ever made a promise to your kid? I've made a promise to my kids multiple times. Uh, the only unfortunate thing is that sometimes I don't fulfill that promise right away. And they let me know. right? They do. They let me know. They're like, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. When are we going to go? When are we going to do the thing? When are we going to do the thing? Are you going to get the thing? Are we going to do the thing? Are we going to go to the thing? Are we going to do the thing? Hey, dad, 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 dad. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. And they remember in detail. They do. Right? Like, like if you promise them the blue Frisbee with the, with the gold sparkles on it, you cannot go back to the store and get the red Frisbee with the green sparkles on it and think that that's going to be okay, right? No, you promised them the blue Frisbee with the gold sparkles. You're going to go get the, the blue Frisbee with the gold sparkles, right? And they, they will let you know. They really will, right? They'll let you know. Uh, at least mine do. Mine let me know. Um, Matthew 7, 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's a promise keeper. Our father in heaven is a promise keeper. He will not go against his word. His word will not return void. There is nothing that he has spoken to you that he is not willing and able to fulfill in your life. He, if he spoke it, he's going to do it. If he promised it, he's going to fulfill it, right? If he spoken and said that this is what you're going to do, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be able to walk it out, right? He's going to equip you for what he has called you to do. His promises will not return void at all he can't it would go against his character and his very being of who God is if he did 
So if we're good at gift givers and we, you know, we spend all the time and we spend the effort, we spend, we get pleasure as parents, as fathers, uh, we get pleasure and, and, and joy of watching our kids open up that special gift, you know, the Christmas gift or the birthday gift or whatever, because we spent time on it and we know them and we know their personality and we know what they like and we know their favorite color. We know everything about them, right? And so we fashion this gift and we spend the time, or we should fashion and spend the time to give them good gifts. How much more does the one who created you know about you and is able to give you all the good things? All the good things, right? Every good gift comes from the Father. That's it. Every good gift comes from the Father. So we try to fulfill our promises and give what we say that we will, right? We try to. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we, we in the physical are not able to do that. But I got great news is that we serve a God who is never unable to fulfill his promise. Who is never unable to, when he, again, when he said it, he's going to do it. John uh, 14, uh, John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Not just temporary. Not just something that's like, you know, comes and goes. Not just, not just something, but the most fulfilling promise that we have ever been given. I'm going to ask my Father. Right? I'm going to ask my father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And we're going to flip over to John, just, a, just about a page, maybe two, depending on your uh, Bible. Um, over to John 16, verse 7. John 16, uh, verse uh, number 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he's reiterating again. It's to your advantage, right? So he's talking about, obviously we know he's talking about his death and resurrection and ascension. And it's all, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why? So that I can fulfill my promise to you. The promise of the Father can be fulfilled at that moment in time. That moment in time. So I don't know about y'all, but, but I would much rather have a gift from the Father than I would a gift from my earthly father. I, I, would, I, would, I would much rather be able to have something that continues to keep giving and continues to walk with me and continues to help me and is my alos paracletos, right? My, my, my comforter, my leader, my, my shepherd, right? I would much rather have the one who lives with me and dwells with me and that promise that is continually, never-endingly here than something that's temporal. Amen? So how much more, how, how much better is the Father, Heavenly Father, giving gifts and promises? The promise is the only promise I know of that produces power. Right? I'll take a promise that produces power. Amen? I got that. I got that. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. In case y'all weren't aware of that by now. <laughs> it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
So he had to go away so that he could send the promise of the Father, the baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost to be with you. Why? Because he's not here physically. But we still got our shepherd. We still got our corrector. We still have our discipline. We still have our promise keeper. We still have our comforter. We still have our rod and our staff with us. We still have the one who assists us. We still have the one who uh, we are able to walk in power with. He, we still have the gift that keeps on giving, right? What is the importance of that? And I know that we have talked about it over and over and over and over again, but the gift of the Holy Ghost is the best gift that you will ever receive next to salvation is the best gift that you will ever receive in your entire life. Why? Because when I'm going through a hard time, I can pray in the Holy Ghost. When I'm going through a good time, I can pray in the Holy Ghost. When I don't know what to do, I can pray in the Holy Ghost. When I don't know what to say, or maybe I want to say some things I shouldn't say, I got to pray in the Holy Ghost. When I'm feeling ornery, I got to pray in the Holy Ghost, right? When I'm feeling great, I got to pray in the Holy Ghost. If I don't know and I need a supernatural download from the throne of heaven, what am I going to do? I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost because it's the gift that keeps on giving forever. It's awesome. Worship team, y'all can come back up. We're going to hit the last point here. As some of y'all might be saying here, sitting, sitting in your pew, sitting in your seat, saying, but Pastor Brandon, you don't know my story. You don't know. You don't know my story. You don't know who my dad was. You don't know, you don't know what I went through. You don't know. How can you say the earthly fathers are supposed to be in alignment with God when I've never seen a God the example of a man in my entire life? How can I have a good vision of God the Father when I don't have a good viewpoint of my earthly father? You don't know what I've been through. I don't. Some of you I do, but I don't. God does. Jesus does. The Holy Ghost does. And just so that y'all are aware, none of the three of them are in competition with one another. They know. He knows. I've got great news. You can start a new family tree. Come on. You can start a new family tree. You don't have to live in the history books. You don't have to live in the book of history of pain and irritation and hurt and regret and frustration, whatever. Fill in the blank. And guess what? Even if you had the perfect upbringing and you had a great dad and you still have a great dad and they're a godly example and everything is awesome, guess what? You can still start a new family tree. Romans.
Romans chapter 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. I want to encourage somebody in here today to let go of the fear. Let go of the fear. It's time to step out of the slavery mindset. It's time to step out of the mindset of fear and realize that when we cry, Abba, Father, He's a good, 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 good Father. He's a good Father. The best. But I want to encourage you to let go of the fear and step out of the mindset. You have been freed through Christ Jesus. Let go of the chains. Let go of the bondage. Let go. Let go of the history books. You can't live in the past and continue to walk forward. You can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror and expect to make it to your destination correctly. You can't do it. It's time to let go. You've been freed. You've been freed. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. It means it's done. It's done. You're free. Spirit of adoption, a new family, the mess no longer has a hold on you. But guess what? We got to let it go too. Amen. We got to let it go too. We're heirs with Christ. We're heirs to his promise, to his blessings, to his mercies. I might not be related to whoever the child is, but if I adopt them, I have a legal, they now have a legal right to my inheritance. They have a legal right to everything that I have for them, right? I'm not withholding because they're now my child. You've been adopted. You've been adopted. So do you need to behold Christ differently today? Do you need to see him just a little bit differently today? Do you need to see your father just a little bit differently today? Do you need the veil to be removed? Do you need to experience his love today? Maybe, maybe there might be some in here that say, you know what, I got a great viewpoint of God. I got a great viewpoint of my heavenly father. I got a great, but it's been a while since I've been touched radically by his love. It's been a while since I've been able to experience the love of the father. Is that you? 
do you need him to be your shepherd and your corrector and your promise fulfiller today? Do you need him to be your adopter today? You can have salvation and still step into another realm, another level of adoption with the Father. Is that you today? I want to open the altars. If that's you, if any of those categories are you, if you, if you need to view the Lord differently, if you just need more of his love, if you just need to experience Jesus in a new way, I want you to come on up. Come on up. We got the altars and we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe that the Lord is going to continue to move in a mighty and powerful way today. Amen.